the eclecticism of transitions in the queer community go beyond the binary. The process of transitioning, the movement, the journeys, that's what's inside my box. I know, I know, this is inside my box, but you heard what the mystic creature said, active listening and speaking. So today, we'll hear mostly voices that aren't mine, but the stories that live inside my head because of the incredible people I know who have lived them. These are Transition Stories. I want the house in the country. I want the condo in the city. shrinking to, you know, make other people feel comfortable. Felt like Nat wasn't, you know, taking up real estate, wasn't taking up space and was overcompensating um, in many ways because they weren't in their their natural register, um, so to speak, just on the journey of entertaining the idea of really taking tea and just understanding within their self that there are options to actualize the inner landscape of what they're experiencing is a possibility, felt very liberating, felt like an access point of, of freedom in ways that they could never really imagine or articulate or or feel home within. Yeah. So they never really considered their body their own. Even as a child, they felt very kind of uh, disconnected from their like genitalia and in many respects they were like a touch me not and just kind of received pleasure from almost like an existential perspective of like a voyeuristic perspective and them kind of forming community in the non-binary circle and from them having like intimate platonic relationships with folks and navigating the journey alongside people experiencing the same things kind of uh, awaken something within them of realizing that you have a choice, that you don't have to be in a binary, like you don't have to, like you come into this world as a vessel, but that doesn't mean that you don't have options, so to speak. T felt like a legitimate option of being like, well, you know, what register do you see your existence in? What, in what ways do you want your external landscape to represent your internal landscape and have them kind of be a marriage between the two. They are excited about having the continuum of themselves unite. Um, I think they are really excited about having the, the yin and the yang um, unite. I think 
that's something that is very um, beautiful about the the masculine and the feminine is just the um, audacity of softness. I think it's the um, audacity of what it is to be uh, like the opposite of tender, right? I think I find strength in being tender. I find I find strength in vulnerability, and there's an opposite um, side of that. There's like power in recognizing strength and being direct as there is in being passive. And I feel like there's this gray space that is now non-binary, that it doesn't have to be um, one or the other. It doesn't have to be black or white. It doesn't have to be, you know, on or off. It doesn't, you know, it can, it can be a marriage of the two. And I think that that's what they are. It's just this, uh, this kind of like beautiful dance of being um, submissive and being dominant at the same time um, without each component not taking up too much room or too much space. Um, their transition is, is pretty early. Like it's pretty in early stages. Um, um, I think they would like to hear um, more people's perspectives of starting from the very, very beginning where you're not seeing a ton of changes and it's all still um, coming from like an internal space. And it's like, it's small changes is happening at a very micro level um, but there aren't these exasperated um, or kind of uh, forward-facing, very visible um, changes. Um, but in my community that I've talked to, they're like, yeah, they're, they're noticing shifts. And I think that's always interesting of how growth can happen on a very kind of microscopic level. And so that's very interesting. It's like we change every day, we age every day, we grow every day, but we don't see it. And so it's just been interesting of community tapping in and be like, hmm, like that's different and that's different. And it's nice to kind of have a um, reflection to see what kind of refracting off. They have been doing uh, visual documentation <laughs> of doing videos with you know their iPhone, like recording themselves and, and documenting each of each week of being accounting the the stages of what's happening. Um, I think that oftentimes change is made through a big change, through you know a big movement or a big shift. And I think that oftentimes that's inaccurate. And I think that's often moving from a place of reaction. And I think that change should move from the, the smaller moments. You know, it's really the smaller moments and experiences and, and beats in life that we need to pay attention to. That is the story or is the destination as we like to call it. It's like, it's, you know, it's, it's the journey, right? It's those micro steps so to speak, that really account for the destination. Feminism is a movement to end sexism, sexist exploitation and oppression. Feminist revolution alone will not create a world of peace and possibility. No, we need to end racism, class elitism, imperialism, but it won't make it possible for us to be fully self-actualized people, able to create beloved community, to live together, realizing our dreams of freedom and justice.
everything kind, sweet and motherfucking fine. I deserve everything kind, sweet and fine. I want the trust that I gave to you. I want the faith in organic, stamped and approved. Stamped and approved. Ariel was born in in a good-sized town in Ohio, and her her transition story is a little bit different because she transitioned in college while being a freshman at the University of Cincinnati. And her experience, you know, at a predominantly white college is unique in the sense that not only was she struggling trying to find her place as as a black student, but she was trying to find her place as a black trans student. And it it felt like she wasn't enough for the black cisgender heterosexual people. And she felt like she wasn't enough for, you know, for the white queer trans people. And so her journey it, her journey has become this journey of trying to find, of trying to find her truth and live her truth in a way that doesn't place one identity over the other, but rather a truth where she can exist as her full, authentic, black, trans, queer, bisexual self. And, you know, and it has been a, it's been a journey of dealing with racist white people, of dealing with internally transphobic trans women, and, and just learning how does she navigate some of these, some of these, some of these barriers, and, and how does she navigate living her truth despite being pushed to the end of the margin? And so she had to realize that that the only person that you have to live for is yourself. You cannot live for anyone else. Ariel's transition story, her her childhood was filled with moments of moments of trying to figure out who is she as a person? Who is she as a individual? And and part of and part of that journey included included realizing that she didn't like being referred to as a boy or as a man or or being referred to as someone who needs to, to toughen up. And so trying to Trying to deal with the pressure of being a black child in America, she was also dealing with with other pressure of how does she navigate these ideas of gender and gender roles, and so it became 
And so it became this theme of, of her knowing that she's not a man, not a boy, not a guy, but trying to find the language to describe that. And so when she realized, oh yeah, I'm trans. And, and, and this journey has gone from, okay, am I trans? Am I not, right? It's gone from that to, to her realizing that transitioning isn't just about hormones. It isn't just about a name. It's, it's also about finding your truth and standing strong in your truth. And it's also about knowing that you are so much more than the assumptions, than you are so much more than 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 the assumptions people make about you. You are so much more than the rumors, and 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 so once she got to college, she realized there is there's a language to describe what I'm going through. Right before right before spring right before winter break started. She scheduled an appointment with a um, with a endocrinologist to get on hormones, and um, one of the things that the doctor told Ariel was that when you start hormones, when you start estrogen, your sex drive will decrease. Ariel has been on hormones for about almost four-ish years. Her sex drive has not gone down. If anything, it's gone up. There have been so many moments where where Ariel just wanted to be as promiscuous as possible, but because of transphobia and racism, she has to be mindful of the things that she do, the things that she does, and the things that she says. But now. Like Ariel will, Ariel's the type of person who, if she finds someone attractive, and she she will find any way to talk to them. Of course, respecting boundaries, obviously, because that's like the most important thing. But yeah, Ariel's story has gone from, well, I hope this estrogen decreases my sex drive to let's just have a threesome with a bunch of trans-masculine people. And so um, her story isn't isn't just a journey of transitioning, but it's a journey of sexual freedom and a journey of learning to, 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 to have power in saying the phrase, I enjoy sex. And so Ariel very much enjoys sex. And so she's finding creative ways to <laughs> to make that happen, if you will. And where she's at now, she's she's at a place where she feels comfortable in her body. She's she feels sexy, she feels free, and she is continued to be and always has been. Not only learning about yourself, it's allowed Ariel to to have so much her and so much autonomy over her identity, over sex, over 
who she is as a person. Beginnings are transitions. Transitions are cycles. Transitions are journeys. There are so many transition stories. I veer from thinking that I want this more than I have ever wanted anything, anyone in my life, to thinking that this too, like all pain, will pass. I love you. I've said it now more out loud than I've said it in my head, and I've heard those sweet, soft words whispered back to me once before I drifted out to the sound of insects rubbing legs, leaves falling down, gravel moving, and air passing by. I am processing. I miss when I was irrational. Do you remember when I was irrational? What fun that was in a chaotic way? in a way where at least I was following some emotion. Maybe not the right one, but some one for someone. If I've loved like this before, I've never felt as sure about it as this, and that... I wonder if this is just me hyper-navigating my life, you know? I navigate all my growing pains through lessons and techniques. From the art I am exposed to, the books I read, the stories I watch, they are all tools. But am I using these to tell stories that help people heal, help them feel seen and see their voices being heard? To realize we are not as alone as we think we are? Or am I masking my own fears to show the world theirs? What feels so murky is when my own wants get merged into wanting someone else to be happy. I'm using my own tools on myself for someone else's benefit. Suddenly, their story, their narrative, their needs become more important than mine. Because I guess I've been thinking, what do I want? What an odd question, because I'm sure I've heard it my entire life. What can I get you? What would you like? What do you want for X, Y, Z? But I don't think I've ever truly asked myself it. In the quiet space in the back top right corner of my brain on a Thursday night, I asked myself, what do you want? And I heard it echo through chambers of my subconscious I didn't know existed. See, I don't know if I want this more than I have ever wanted anything because suddenly I have my own wants outside of someone else's wants, or if those wants have always existed. Have they always been there? And you, by surprise, stumbled upon a few that hadn't been seen in so long. So do I want you because you've seen me? maybe a section or a portion of the real me, so it feels different, nay, special, that you've gotten to see that part. You make me feel soft like a caterpillar's body. You make me feel scared like a caterpillar being touched. You make me feel, though, so 
I wonder, have I loved like this before? Have I loved myself like this before? So open and listening, so available to be loved and cared for and given what I want. I don't know all the transition stories. I know mine. I listen, empathize, and retain others' transition stories. But that doesn't mean I know all transitions. I only know what you choose to share. And there are so many different kinds of transitions. Transgender looks so many different ways and it may look different on me than on you. Thank you for diving inside my box. And now, I wanna know what's inside your box. Starting today and for one week, you can leave a voicemail, email, DM me, or message me on Anchor in response to the prompt, what's inside your box. You will have the chance to have your response played on a bonus episode and or broadcast on the Instagram and Twitter. By submitting, you're agreeing to allow your words and or voice to be used by Inside My Box. Listen to what's inside the boxes of the other folks who've been featured on Inside My Box so far. For more information, see the description of this episode. Today's episode featured music by and poetry by me, Janelle Lawrence. Stories by Ariel, Mary Ann, and Nat Majette. Show design and production by Janelle Lawrence. Don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe to Inside My Box. And make sure you check out our Instagram and Twitter for peeks inside other people's boxes. I can't wait to hear 